Rookie Road Cycling. If road cycling is your new hobby and you want to be better informed to get more out of it, then this is the place for you. I'm Lexi Rose and thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about route planning and a bit about making stops, uh, both planned stops and stopping if you have a problem. So obviously it depends a bit on what sort of riding you want. For example, if you're the kind of rider that wants to avoid the hills or if you're keen to take them on. But irrespective of that, I think what most people want is quiet roads or country lanes, smooth tarmac and nice scenery. And in order to find that, you'll often need to cycle a bit to get to it. Personally, I'm quite happy to cycle out and escape the city on main roads, even though they are likely to be a bit busy and not terribly friendly. I tend to avoid mixed-use pedestrian cycle paths just because they can be really busy with people and with kids and dogs and I find that a bit stressful Um, and generally speaking I find I can predict the movement of vehicles much more easily than I can the movement of a dog or a child. There's lots of nice mixed-use paths around but quite often at any kind of peak time or a nice day I tend to avoid them. Uh, But this does come back to personal preference. And having said all that, I'm the sort who is happy to get up really early and do my cycling to beat the traffic. A lot of the roads I ride, I love them, but that's at 6 or 7am and there's no way I'd want to be still riding them later on in the day when it gets busy. So if you're restricted by when you can go and your best time is leaving, say, midday on a Saturday, then you probably want to try and take the back roads. So route planning doesn't need to be a chore, it can be fun particularly when you have a bit of an idea of a couple of places you might aim for en route. Just start by looking at Google Maps or something and figuring out a rough plan of where you could go or which direction you might head out in. It's quite liberating, really, the sense of freedom and achievement, and that's even before you've started. So planning it the day or so before, being happy with what you've got, and then seeing it all come to life, that's pretty cool. But obviously you have to take it easy out there, especially when everything is a bit new. If a road isn't what you thought it might be, or you get a bit lost, you just need to find a safe stopping place and figure it out and come up with a bit of a plan B. You know, you can either backtrack a bit or find a different turn that will put you back on route. And you need to just try things sensibly and get a bit of experience. Sometimes roads that on Google Maps or whatever look like major A roads and really they aren't at all, but the same is true vice versa. And Street View is really helpful for checking roads in advance. I used this a lot to start with when I was just a bit more nervous about the whole thing. I would literally check every bit of my route and I still use it quite a lot now. So just start by planning some simple routes and then reroute if necessary. You can take a route and modify it a bit and extend it and just build up your knowledge. You know, the last thing you want is to get put off by not planning a route properly and getting lost or finding yourself on a busy and unpleasant road. Um, You know, the kind of like a fast and narrow road, the ones with solid white lines and hedgerows so you can't see what's coming and lorries that look far too big for the road and sort of come steamrolling through and that kind of vortex they create that almost knocks you off your bike once they've passed or when you can feel a car is right on your back wheel and desperate to get past. That's all just a a nightmare. But actually I find sometimes my choice of route on a particular day depends a bit on my frame of mind and what sort of mood I'm in. Sometimes I'm out on my bike and on a busy road and where it's trafficy or and I'm feeling strong and feeling good and I'm like stay back motorists I'm coming through I know my rights so don't even think about it and then other days I'm like uh don't even come near me and don't beep at me and I 
don't know if I feel happy negotiating junctions. <laughs> so yeah, even now I find situations that feel tricky, um, either because I'm not in the right mindset or if it just feels a bit challenging. Actually, a few months ago, uh, after I'd had many really fun rides into London City and I thought, well, I'll do something a bit different just to mix it up. And I, I headed north and sort of had a bit of a wiggle around Wembley and I was just cycling on this fairly ordinary residential road and got to the end of it and turned the corner and was kind of thrust onto this massive gyratory system. You know, the kind with about 12 lanes and 100 traffic lights all on big overhead gantries. And I just wasn't prepared for it. So I sort of panicked and bailed out in this bus stop on the edge of the junction. And then obviously felt like a bit of an idiot sitting there with my bike and full cycling kit at this bus stop, aware that there are a few people sort of looking at this slightly odd sight and I'm trying to look all nonchalant, like, yeah, this is fine. Nothing to see. This is a planned stop, all planned on this this great ride. So even when you think you're pretty good at route planning and pretty confident, you can still find tricky situations. But I guess they become quite rare and you get a bit of experience in working how to get yourself back on track and finding a way through. But big junctions can be quite intimidating. So best to avoid them if you can. They can be OK in a group, but not so OK when you're riding solo. Although the big roundabout junctions and gyratories often have subways that run beneath them, so that's something else that's worth checking out for. And you'll probably find that a few good routes serve you well for a lot of your riding. When I moved back to London in February, I did quite a lot of exploring initially and then established a couple of routes that I just really enjoy and can happily do them again and again. Um, same when I was living in Bath and I loved heading out of the city to the east and some of the lanes in Wiltshire are still my most favourite cycling roads. There's a couple of routes that I'd happily cycle over and over again. It is obviously nice to mix it up, but initially I was surprised how happy I was just to do the same thing on repeat and you might find that too. But if you don't and you're short of ideas, then you can find some good suggestions from either your local club or local bike shop or obviously just look online. Right, so enough chit chat. Um, how do you actually plan a route in real terms? Well, you've probably heard of the likes of Strava and Garmin, maybe also Komoot, Cycle Streets or Ride with GPS. So they're all variations of the same sort of idea. You plan a route with an online map. You pick your starting points, you add waypoints or markers that plot roughly the way you want to go, and then the programme will find the roads. Or you can simply choose a start and an end point. They'll all show you the distance, the elevation, an estimated time, which is usually based on what you input as your level of fitness. You'll find some platforms have a heat map feature and it highlights the most popular roads. But of course, that doesn't always mean they're the best roads. It may just mean they're a commuter route or something. So the routes are best plotted on the desktop version of the software, but then you can simply download the app onto your phone and bingo, sat-nav. You'll need to get something that fixes your phone obviously securely to your handlebars, but there are lots of options out there for this these days. But one thing you do need to watch out for is battery life. Fine for a shorter ride, but on a longer ride when you're using your phone for other stuff too, then you could run out of juice and that would be a problem. So actually what is better is a specific GPS device such as a Garmin. So once you've plotted a route on the desktop, you can quite easily send this to your device. Um, and the way you do this varies a little bit depending on what platform you're using and what device you have. But generally now it's quite a straightforward process and it just involves activating a sync setting somewhere between the two. And you usually just do that once and then the rest of your routes will sync automatically. 
And just for reference, so I have the Garmin Edge Explore 1000, which is is great. Um, the thing I was most fussy about was having a big enough screen that I could have an actual little map rather than just following arrows, um, which some of the more basic models have or models that are just small and compact. Right, well, I'm just going to mention a few things about Komoot. It's not actually something I use much myself just because I'm so set up with Strava. Um, but I'm aware it's quite popular now and it's great because there's a good free version. So it's ideal when you're just starting. Um, and there is a paid version too, uh, that obviously has some increased functionality. So Komoot, that's K-O-M-O-O-T. So you go online, you set up an account for free. So once you sign up, you're given a free map region that you just need to unlock. So you can test out all the main features and start planning and get out there. Then if and when you need another region, then you have to buy it. Uh, so just to give you an idea of the regions, I have the London region and it's about, say, 90 to 95% of London inside the M25. So you're signed up and you're logged in and you're on the main route planner page. You'll see that there are some different categories and obviously road cycling is the obvious choice here. But you sometimes may want to pick bike touring or gravel riding, for example. The road cycling option will obviously stick to the bigger roads, whereas the touring route will favour smaller roads and lanes, but may include some non-tarmac surfaces. And then the gravel option will, of course, favour the gravel and unsurfaced paths. So it's good to have that option just to experiment with a bit. And then you pick your fitness level and there's the whole range there, everything from couch potato to pro. Okay, and just a few of the features then. So there are different map overlays like satellite or street map. Um, the maps show different features like cafes, bike shops, train stations and so-called highlights, which are suggested by other users. And you can create your own highlights on tours that you've completed. You can see photos along the route from others and you can add your own. You can tag people and you can see what your friends are doing. You can edit your saved routes. There's an elevation and a predicted time that the route will take you. You can simply adjust your tour line by just dragging and dropping. There's also a button where you can easily hide your tour line so that you can see the road name beneath it. And as I said, there's a premium version that has a few extra features, which you may want to look into, but you're unlikely to need them at this stage. So it's a great free tool. Have a look. But as I said, it's not the only one out there, but it's a good one that seems to get good reviews. Okay, so I just wanted to mention something about stopping, both planned and unplanned. When you head out, it's a really good idea to take a spare inner tube and a pump. You can get a pump that um, you can mount onto the frame or obviously you can just stuff it in your back pocket. Um, and see, with the inner tube, you can put it in your pocket too, or you can get a small bag that attaches to the frame of your bike or to the back of the saddle. And there's loads of options for that, um, a subject of a future podcast. If you're unlucky and you have a problem, chances are it's going to be a puncture. So yes, you will need the pump and you'll need the spare inner tube. And clearly this means you're going to need to know how to use them. Um, I'll add a link on the website to the best video clip I can find on this. And again, I'll cover it in a later podcast. But I would say don't be put off if you find it difficult. In the past, I found changing an inner tube really difficult and hated doing it. But I am much better at now that I've done it a few times. It does require a combination of strength and skill. And if you've got both, then no problem. But if you've got neither, then it is tricky. Oh, and definitely worth having a couple of tyre levers. They do help, um, particularly if you don't own a pair of big, strong hands. 
So yeah, you really should practice doing this at home. You definitely don't want to be doing it for the first time out on the road. And it's a, just a great skill, like a key life skill up there with mm, making a good cup of tea and building a campfire, um, just all important stuff. So worth investing a little bit of time and effort. So out on the road, obviously, if you're having to do this, you need to check the tyre for what it was that caused the puncture. The worst thing is when you miss it and then it leads to a second puncture as soon as you set off again. And then you'll be pretty stuck unless obviously you have multiple spare inner tubes. And also I need to mention that there is an alternative to a pump, which is a CO2 or carbon dioxide cartridge. I'll also put a link to this on the website so you can see a bit about it and how to use it if you're not familiar with them. Um, but know that if you do use this, um, as it's CO2 and not normal air, which we know from school science is nitrogen and oxygen. Um, so you do need to deflate the tyre and pump it back up with normal air when you get home. Otherwise, it will just deflate quite quickly. So no real need for a puncture repair kit unless you're a master of repair. Um, it's usually a faff to do it on the side of the road and easier to sort it out when you get back home or bin it, but, but much better to repair it and much more eco-friendly. And also important, if you are repairing out on the road, obviously move yourself well away from the edge if you can. Um, obvious, but just feel like you need to say it. And actually, depending on whereabouts you are, you may find that other cyclists pass and offer to stop and help, particularly if you're on your own, of course. Um, although this is less likely to happen in London or, well, just any big city, really. I do most of my cycling at the moment in and around London and Greater London, but in fact, a couple of months ago, I decided I really needed a change and I headed down to Sussex and Surrey and I was out on the country roads and I actually just stopped to take a photo, as I do very frequently. Uh, and I was just faffing about a bit before I got my phone camera out. And uh, within that couple of minutes, about three cyclists had gone past me and slowed to ask if I was OK and needed help. Um, yeah, very nice and not that uncommon. I think cyclists are pretty good at looking after their own. Okay then, last but definitely not least, cafe stops. Um, essential on longer rides and just really nice to have that to look forward to, you know, usually around the halfway mark or just a bit more. Something that's much more fun really when you're cycling in a group but still important when you're solo cycling. And obviously it's good to check in advance um, about what facilities there are for leaving your bike if you have a particular place in mind. Um, and if you don't, there are obviously plenty of ideas uh, online for good cafe stops and always a good idea to have a, a cafe lock and this is just often a, a very thin retractable cable with a combination lock um, enough to give you some peace of mind that people can't just wander off with your bike but obviously not that secure it's a sort of compromise I mean no one wants to be cycling around with a big gold standard lock on them it's obviously just not practical okay so just a quick summary then um do some initial planning, decide on a rough route or a destination, think about some of the basics, like if you're happy with a few hills or if you prefer cycle paths and if you want to avoid A roads, um, and take it easy and build up slowly. Don't take on too much too soon and get put off or panicked. Um, and also it's fine to have two options, you know, something easy and something harder and decide what you feel like on the day. There are several good online platforms for route planning, Commute is just one of them. So get signed up and have a go with it. Then you can simply sync it to your phone or Garmin or whatever you have and get out there and navigate. When you head out, take an inner tube, a pump or a CO2 cartridge. But whatever you take, make sure you've had practice using it and take tyre levers too. 
and a cafe lock if you're planning on a cafe stop. And remember that route planning can be fun. What a sense of freedom, right? Just to literally look at a map and say, right, I'm going to cycle to that destination. So have fun and stay safe. Okay, that is it for this episode. Don't forget to tune in on Friday when we'll be following on a bit from this and talking about distance and speed. So thanks for listening. Hope you've got something to take away. Don't forget to tell people, share our love for cycling. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also find us on LinkedIn and of course the website cyclebean.cc. Stay safe, rookie roadies. See you next time.